but you can use that. I say we're a small business. It'd really help if you could talk about your experience. Would you mind writing us a Google review? So it doesn't really take away much more than me just asking for like two seconds and me gauging how that appointment went. If we're getting affected by it, so is everybody else, right? So it's kind of yeah, yeah, opportunity yeah. in the same regards. Okay. Honestly, we'll evaluate it as a team to see if there was any real substance behind it. Was it really our fault? If it is, we'll get better with it, right? We use it as a kind of teaching moment to go, hey guys, did we do this? It's okay if we did. Let's, let's fix this so it doesn't happen again. Welcome to another episode of Dental Marketing Go. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I am the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients. And today I have Dr. Patel on. He is the CEO at Blueprint Smiles. And you are in for a doozy because he laid out his exact roadmap of how he's gotten all of his practices to have hundreds and hundreds of Google reviews. And he's actually gave the cultural and the system breakdown. And at the very, very end, we didn't do this on purpose, but at the very, very end, he gave a gold nugget on scheduling and how he's been able to efficiently get more patients to come in quicker and the patients are happier, the doctors are happier, and his practices are growing. I've personally had the opportunity to work with Dr. Patel. He's one of the best CEOs that I've seen out uh, doing what he's doing. And so you're going to be in for a treat. Stay tuned. All right, Dr. Patel, why don't you tell us a little bit about your practices and how many doctors you have, how many new patients a month you guys are seeing? Yeah, so we're a uh, six-practice uh, GSO based out of pretty much Metro Atlanta. Um, we have uh, about 12, uh, 11 full-time doctors, three part-time doctors. If you consider me and my business partner part-time, we practice maybe one day a week at this point. Um, and uh, currently, we're between our six locations. We're averaging at least about 500 new patients a month. Uh, we are fee-for-service and PPO-based only, so no HPO, Medicaid, or anything of that nature. That's awesome. That's a, that's a lot of new patients for that many offices. And I know one of the offices you just opened up recently, correct? Correct. Yep. So awesome. we, we so are what? yeah, novo based now, I guess. So uh, the last one was a startup. The one before that was a startup. So yeah, it's been five, six months with that one. Great. And then, so what, what has been, what is like the key thing for you that has helped you guys continue to grow? And I know there's lots of things that feed into that, but for you, what, what's that one thing? So the, I mean, honestly, I hate to say we're on a marketing podcast, so it, it wouldn't have to be marketing, especially when you're doing de novos, right? Uh, and it goes hand in hand, right? So you can have a it's great culture, great teammates, and or marketing. You can have great teammates, no patients. You can have a problem. You have a lot of patients, not enough teammates. You're still going to have a problem. So it's a combination of both, right? It's a chicken egg kind of concept, which one should come first. But uh, I would uh, lead towards... Sometimes if you have more patients, you can get away with a little bit of that culture because you know you have double the patients, okay. you don't have to handle every single one of them uh, while you're still trying to figure out things. But if you don't get enough patients, you can have the greatest teammates in the world. Uh, they almost have to close at such a great rate, uh, which is kind of hard to do sometimes. Uh, and uh, so I, I would <laughs> still lean towards uh, more new patients, I guess. Awesome. And then, so let's dive into that. Like what, what's your game plan for you guys? Obviously you're, you're, I know for a while there you said, Hey, we're, we're pausing growth to get operationally everything aligned. But then after we get everything operationally aligned, we're going to keep chugging along. So kind of looking into the future, what, what's your mindset or maybe even talking to somebody else, say somebody else has five practices, what's your mindset around marketing and how to approach that? 
Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, you're right on. Uh, we did take a little hiatus in between before we bought our sixth location. It was almost three years in between, and that was to figure out operational efficiencies. So if you figure out operational efficiencies, then everything else goes to the bottom line. I mean, your marketing cost goes down, or if you spend the same amount, more new patients come in, right? So uh, I would say the things that have helped on the marketing side, you know, I think if you asked me six months ago, I think an easy trigger for people is Google reviews, right? I, I don't really care where people come from, whether it's insurance, word of mouth, they're still probably Googling you. And that's usually the last thing they'll say is, hey, I heard you on Google. So it's probably not best to ask, where did you hear about us? It's almost, I think you might mention on a podcast, it's better to ask, yeah. uh, you know, who do we have the pleasure of thanking, right? So they'll give you a more accurate yeah. answer. But I, I do think everybody Googles, right? We don't go anywhere without uh, looking up reviews. So uh, that's an easy source. If you can get constantly one review a day, that's 20 a month, that starts building over time. And as that kind of builds over time and you get seven, eight, nine hundred reviews like a lot of our offices have, then all of a sudden your cost of acquisition starts to drop exponentially. Uh, and uh, believe it or not, patients have a perception of you and your office prior to entering. So your conversion rate goes up. So I think that'd be the easiest oh, yeah, yeah. metric to you know just see an increase and boost uh, for revenue, new patient counts. Uh, your bottom line is strictly just getting some Google reviews, honestly. Sorry to disrupt the show, but I got something crazy to share with you. We are attempting to connect with all of our listeners. We have thousands of people that listen to this podcast, and we want to meet you in person. We have four events coming up, and I want to give you a discount code that you can use for the next week to save $300 off your ticket. The discount code is Gary Bird, and the link is going to be just down below. You can also go to smcnational.com forward slash events. I hope to connect with you in person and help each other grow our businesses. Can't wait to see you soon. Wow, that is so good. I love the way that you tie that together, that it lowers your cost per acquisition on everything, right? So it doesn't matter if it's a patient referral, doctor referral, marketing lead. If somebody saw, you know, sees you out and about, they're going to go Google you no matter what you do. They're going to Google you, but it also helps with their perception of you that, hey, this is a good place. And we've all been through that before, right? We go to a restaurant and it had a thousand five-star reviews. We're going in thinking, okay, this is going to be good. And so that there's a little bit more trust built in there. So that's a, that's a great call out. I've never heard anybody fully uh, uh, express that all the way across the timeline. But let's go back to generating the Google reviews because I heard you say, yeah, we just get a couple of Google reviews and it adds up over time. What if, if, if a practice out there doesn't, let's say somebody has a hundred Google reviews, but everybody else in their market is like you, they have a thousand. How, how do you start building a culture or, or a system to get those Google reviews? Because a lot of, I will say this, a lot of people think it's below their pay grade to get Google reviews, right? They think, man, I, you know, I didn't go to dental school to ask for Google reviews, or I didn't learn to become a hygienist or, or any, even, even front end. They're like, it's not part of my job description. I don't really want to do it. So sometimes there's a pushback. So what have you done to overcome that? Well, you know, we talked about that three three year hiatus that we kind of took. We're talking about operational changes. We also had a lot of cultural changes that we did on the same point in time. So like, do we get rid of some you know unfortunate apples in our teammates? Not just saying doctors or hygienists or providers in general. There's assistants in the back that ask for reviews as well. We did we did kind of clean up things to make sure our culture was in alignment. And so when you start building a culture around. You know, we call it the one percenters in our organization. We want one percenters, people that want to strive to be the best at everything. They want to keep score, right? I hate to say it, they don't want yeah. participation trophies for just showing up. 
when you start building that kind of culture, then that's part of your culture. You, you know, give Google reviews. Our reputation is part of our culture at our office. So we use that as any other KPI metric that we would, whether it's production, collections, the normal ones that most officers are used to. You know, we're looking at how many Google reviews we get every day. That's actually part of our morning huddle. Like part of our morning huddle is how many wow. Google reviews we got yesterday. And, you know, that starts that idea behind it. Now, you may have to do some tactics, maybe incentivize your team, make it a game out of it. Anything that turns into a game is a lot more fun. Make it competitive between your offices. That helps out. Rewards help out, right? Do whatever you have to do to do that, to get your culture thinking about Google Reviews. And then tactically, as operators, uh, as we are, whether you're a CEO, CEO, or whatever position you have in an organization, set it up where they can win easier. And kind of what I mean by that is like, if it requires the, a friction point, like if I'm going to send Gary a Google review, say, yeah, would you write me a good Google review? Gary's most likely going to say yes. They're not going to lie to my face, even if he doesn't want to at the time. Uh, and if I rely yeah, on yep. Gary going home and doing it, it's not that Gary doesn't want to do it. There's just things come up, right? You, he's driving home. I'm going to send the text during the time, right? Something like that may happen. So you got to find frictionless points to do it in the office. So what we found is, you know, there's great organizations out there that'll send it, right? Well, your phone system will probably send it now for Google links uh, to write reviews. Swell is another one. I think there's several. Every company has one, it seems like at this point, right? Those are great. But I promise you, if you use that as an automation system, you may get like 10 a month, 15 a month. People really like you. They're going to see it and write something at whole. However, if you get someone to write it while they're in the chair, you have a higher yeah. probability. So we kind of create our own system of how to ask in the office, how for our providers to ask, hand it off to the assistant, have them write it while they're in the chair, while we're, you know, hate to say it, we're buying some time, pretend to go look at their next yep. visit and stuff like that. Sometimes we just go, hey, we don't say, you know, write us a review, here's a free t-shirt. We'll say, we write us a review and they'll go, yes, be like, hey, as a thank you, we have a free t-shirt, right? You never want to say this yeah. is for that, but we say as a thank you, yeah. Uh, we're going to wear a free t-shirt. What size do you wear? It buys us five minutes while they write the review. And what we started doing that really helped is uh, everybody got really comfortable with QR codes, right? During mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah. So COVID, now yeah. everyone knows how to use them. So we made QR codes that go straight to our landing page. So at every operatory, we have a big old thing, QR code. You can easily guide any patient to go, give you on it? Yes. Uh, could you scan that possibly? Once they say yes. And then it goes right to the page. You leave, let them write, right? Now, some will put it in their pocket and they'll go, I'll do it later. You can't, you know, beat them up about yeah, yeah, that, yeah. right? But I do think that leads yeah. to possibly getting more reviews. You said you said you had scripting around that. Is it is it just as easy as just being like, hey, would you mind leaving us a quick Google review? Or do you kind of take them through like, hey, how's your experience been? And those kind of things. Like, could you walk us through that? Yeah, so I mean, like scripting anything in a DSL is really kind of hard after a while. You have so many people coming in and out, you're growing. Uh, so, you know, I think if you script things, people aren't necessarily going to follow. If you give them some type of preface around how you will, should go about approaching it, they make it their own, right? So what we recommend is like if, uh, me as a provider, the days I'm still practicing, I know if it went as planned, right? I know if the shot didn't hurt, I know that it went as like quick as possible. The patient's like, oh, this is great. This is painless. You're going to get those triggers. So we teach our teams when you get a good trigger or what exactly like plan, yeah. go ahead and then ask the patient be like, Hey, Mrs. Jones, I uh, hope everything went as planned. Stop. They're probably going to go, yeah, this was great, right? Awesome. Ms. Jones, we're a small business. If you are a small business, you know, we all are a small business to some degree until you become extremely big. But you can use that. I'd say we're a small business. It'd really help if you could talk about your experience. Would you mind writing us a Google review, right? From that point, patients usually say, absolutely. 
helps with the provider ask. Not going to lie. It does help if the doctor or hygienist does the original asking. You don't have to sit around through yeah. the entire process. Once I ask and they say yes, I go, my assistant here, she's going to walk you through how to write one. As a thank you, she's going to grab you a free t-shirt as well. Right? And then I, I hop out of oh. the room and let them do their thing. Uh, so it doesn't really take away much more than me just asking for like two seconds and me gauging how that appointment went. That's awesome. And then have you, have you hit any snags along the way where like it stops working? Cause I've seen people like get to a certain number and then all of a sudden it stops working or Google does something where they start removing them. Have you hit any snags like that? I mean, we have seen some get removed, right? We'll get up to like 800 and then all of a sudden we're like 750. We got 20 this month. How does that make sense? Right. I do think Google does yep. get smarter. Like if somebody wrote us a review and then they wrote a review on another general office, probably yeah, and somewhere they moved. And I think Google probably picks up on that, right? So there are things like that that happen. But at the end of the day, if we're getting affected by it, so is everybody else, right? So it's kind of yeah, yeah, opportunity yeah. in the same regard. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, we kind of just focus everything on our, our cycle is not on a quarterly cycle. Our cycle is like monthly and then we go to a day, right? So all of our goals are oriented that day. That way we don't really focus on, you know, we start with a month goal, but we don't focus on a month at a time. We focus a day at a time. So that's what we talk about it daily. Uh, so we kind of use that premise and then uh, throughout the month, most of our office will at least hit 20 Google reviews, right? Uh, it's, we had months that we had like 60, right? It's not that hard. Yeah. And then do you, how do you guys deal with negative reviews or do you guys, when those pop up, I mean, every once in a while, someone's not going to be happy. Do you have a process around that as well? Uh, so we, we talk about it in our huddle, right? So like, since we look at reviews every single day, we get a negative one, we catch it, right? And uh, honestly, we'll evaluate it as a team to see if there was any real substance behind it. Was it really our fault? If it is, we'll get better with it, right? Uh, we, as an organization, we don't get into the habit of trying to respond because then you want to kind of respond to everything, good or bad. We use it as a kind of teaching moment to go, hey guys, did we do this? It's okay if we did. Let's, let's fix it so it doesn't happen again, right? And we use it more as a teaching moment Honestly, I don't encourage my teams to respond to every single one of them, right? Because you can yeah, respond, yeah. they can respond back. Then they get into a habit of just focusing on the negative as well. And I'm a big law of attraction, positive thinking kind of person. So in the same regard, I'm acknowledging for teaching and let's spin it to a positive. But I'm not sitting there trying to script that negative because then it kind of sticks with everybody, in my opinion. And then, you know, your day yeah. kind of gets ruined sometimes too. So we don't actually respond. That's so true. I've, I've had so many, so, and that's hard to do, right? When someone doesn't like you or your business, or if you're a doctor, they say something negative about you. It is so hard not to take it personal, right? Like it is really, really hard. And so you have to work really hard on, okay, what can I learn from this? And I, I, I love the way you broke that down that you use it for coaching because the, now it's useful, right? You've just taken a negative thing and turned it into something useful. And a lot of people, what I've seen, they get themselves in trouble. They respond and they start saying, well, that's not true. When you came in, you did this. And it's like, bro, you can't say that. You just violated all HIPAA's rules. Yep. And like, you, there's not a lot you can say when you do respond. Um, right. So, but I love the way that you, you flip that into a positive rather than a negative. Yep. You can't change people's perception in reality, right? Like people's opinion is their opinion. They could have had a bad day. They took it out on you. It's it's going to happen, right? It's weird. Well, like when you change your company culture to, like I said, the one percenters, the one percenters as a whole don't hold in on negative stuff for that long, right? They have a bad yeah. game. They go, how can we get better? And I'm going to be better next time. Yeah. They don't let it yep. like trickle down. So it's it's weird. As we changed our culture, we had less, you know, less feedback from doctors saying, hey, we got this bad review. It's, you know, not right. Can we do something about it? 
honestly, I can't remember in the last couple of years, we get bad reviews, don't get me wrong. I can't remember the last couple of years that I had to talk to a doctor to talk them out of the ledge of a bad review that they got. Yeah. Uh, and I think Let's that had to be because- patient. Of- Let's- yeah. <laughs> they're lying. Let's I've heard I've heard doctors say that. Let's can I sue them? And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't want to we don't want to sue them. Even if they're lying, we don't that's not the road we want to go down. Yeah. So the yeah. So once you kind of change that mindset in your organization, that does change as well. People don't like hone in on it for too long. And yeah, they tend to do about better with it. This is awesome. This has been really, really useful. Okay, last question for you. So you got you got a stadium full of people who own one to two practices, but they want to grow. They want to go up to 10, maybe even beyond that. And they're, they're very early in the, in the process of, of building what they want to build. They know what they know. They don't know what they don't know. What is your one piece of advice for them to continue to grow the way they want to? Uh, get super clear on how they want to grow. So, and what I mean by that is, is it going to be acquisition? Is it going to be de novo? That's part one, right? Pick that lane. And then even within that lane, get very narrowed in on what you're trying to do. So if we're de novo, and that's what we decided to be, is it, you know, what kind of clientele for that to know? Are we going to be implants, mm-hmm. emergencies and everything? Or are we going to be general dental? Because that's what we can, you know, acquire as far as, you know, most of the doctors that come out with their skill set is. If you get very narrowed in on what you're trying to look for when you're growing, then everything falls into place as far as your recruiting falls into place, your marketing falls into place, your messaging falls into place, your supplies fall into place, right? Your last kind of fall into place. Everything else starts yep. falling into place and actually helps your bottom line out as far as operational efficiencies go. Then you can do your patient journey a whole lot cleaner because you're not yeah. fumbling for 18 different supplies because you're, all your providers do 18 different services and they want to market for 18 different things, right? Good luck with that, yeah. right? And then when what those yeah, providers yeah, yeah. leave, you're like, I just spent half a year marketing Botox and the one person knows how to do is gone, right? So uh, yeah. So I, I would say get very narrowed in on that. And uh, I do have a second tip that I just discovered after like 10 years, right? So, you know, Gary, me and you have talked about like, there's no point in marketing unless your people can answer the phones, right? Which is very true. We got that part down. Then we learned that there's actually probably one step be- before that that we need to kind of take care of learn scheduling efficiencies in your own operations so you can bring them in quicker, right? Yeah. So that way when they come in, it's efficient for them. You're getting them faster. That's part number one, which you need to do. But part number two, they're not waiting at your office. They use The clinicians have enough time to spend with them and then the conversion will go higher and then you'll get more value from that, right? So I know sometimes we focus on just straight number of new patients, not necessarily true. I have providers that in the same office get 45 new patients in a month and they do 120,000 and they're a so then other doctor at the same office gets 70 of the new patients and they'll do 70,000, right? And that mm, a lot has to do yeah. with scheduling and efficiency and obviously uh, the doctor's skill set. But uh, I would, you know, one thing anything, that we- what did you do to, because a lot of people struggle with this because they don't have the manpower. So they think, you know, I can't hire right now because, you know, labor is really high and costs are really high. So what was the kind of the secret sauce that caused you to figure that out? And like, what, what, what did you do exactly with your schedule? So you know, first of all, it was, it's all metric driven. So I'm like actually looking for KPMs here constantly, right? So it's, it's all metrics driven. So you have to kind of see it in your formula. You want to see, I guess, for every provider you have, how many patients are seeing what the conversion is and what the production is, right? So if you start with that, you're going to see, okay, how many patients do we need to get to to get them to X, X, Y, and Z. And then you can kind of work backwards as far as your schedule goes. 
I hate to say it, like at the beginning, if you're starting to do it and you go, I'm booked out three weeks, but I need more new patients. Well, you might have a capacity issue. You might not have enough chairs, enough hours, or enough people. So you got to get one of those things. And then maybe mm-hmm. you have to force yourself to do a lot more same-day treatments. So those singular appointments yeah. that technically take 10 minutes for you to do, but you have to book out 45 minutes because of setup time and cleanup time and exit time. You got to get those out of the way. You got to get them off your books in a weird way. Treat, you know, treat them same day. Now your books start opening up. If your books start opening up where a patient could come to you tomorrow and the next day within 48 hours, you're going to be fine. Yeah, uh, the reason why I say that is there, you know, some of our offices, like one of our offices did almost $300,000 last, last month with just two providers and two hygienists and we're PPO. And if you ask how far we're booked out, they're booked out like two days. Right. And that's because that's the system's working. Yeah. They shouldn't yeah. be booked out. That yeah. long. If they are being booked out, there's a problem in itself and won't assist them. So I would say figure out your workflow, get it faster, clean up all the handoffs if you can, right? Speed up time, whatever way possible. And then ultimately you'll just get more new patients just indirectly just being available. That is so amazing and so true. Average time to appointment is huge for marketing new patients. It it absolutely either makes or breaks you. And it's kind of of a hidden thing there if you don't pay attention to it. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that, gem. This is so valuable. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing these tips with us. No problem. Glad to help. Awesome.